Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify and podcast.com. This is the Godfather, Anthony Caruso, and we are, we are only a matter of days away from the start of the English Premier League. With the summer transfer window set to close at the end of August, we are now at the, at the um, end business end of the silly season. With all the actions going on, we need our master of all things football. So joining me tonight is the Italian stallion himself, Dom Rizzuto. Dom, good evening to you. Good evening, Carissa. What a time of year it, it is now. You're starting to see the sun settle and the dark clouds come in. It means only one thing. It's the start of the English Premier League and the rest of you European football around the globe. And I'm very excited to get stuck in, talk about all the comings and goings of player movements and also get a, a bit of a preview on the seasons to come. Absolutely. This is an exciting couple of weeks we've got coming up of um, football previews. So this is going to be um, a very exciting time. It's a very exciting time of year for both of us, of course. Um, now, for tonight's show, we'll split up into two sections. Now, part one, we'll be going through the transfers that have happened to date um, from February 1 to the present day. And it started off very quietly, but it's, as we know, once you get into week one, then you start seeing some crazy movements before that window closes. Yeah, of course. And we're only, obviously, as only gets more heated and, and more action packed as we get closer to that uh, infamous transfer deadline day, which now, of course, they do before. It finishes before the season starts. Yep. Originally, it used to run about three weeks into the season. They changed that last year. Now we don't have that anymore. So all the business will be done. All the rumours and gossip that you see coming out of the Sun and the Daily Mail will be over. Come that the this time by the time you hear this on the weekend, and then going forward, you'll only see football action. Now, part two will be the rumoured moves for the rest of the transfer windows. We've got some absolutely juicy ones to come through on that. Yeah, there's some great rumours uh, coming through, and that's partly why football is so entertaining too, to watch and follow because there's so much interest and it, so many stories are generated from so many different outlets, and you never know where the smoke is coming from. You never know where the fire is actually burning, but it just creates such an intrigue and such a tease that makes the world of football just why we call it the beautiful game. So let's get started. This is Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify and podcast.com. And we do it all, of course, to the action attraction of the North Shore, Magpies Waitara and the all about caring Sydney Bears. Well, let's get straight into it now. And uh, part one is the all the transfers and the loans that have uh, that have happened now in this window uh, over the summer period in Europe. And the first one that really grabbed the attention of everyone post season was the announcement that Eden Hazard would be leaving Chelsea for Real Madrid. Yeah, huge, huge departure from Chelsea. He's been the be- arguably one of the, the best player in the Premier League since he first arrived on the scene. Continued to dominate. He was Chelsea's best player once again last year. He was the player of the year in the, for the Premier League this this season. 
um, in, in a really difficult season for Chelsea. Uh, again, he's got his dream move to Real Madrid. He's chasing Champions League glory. He's got himself a couple of Europa League titles. He's, he's got himself a Premier League title as well. Big move over to over to Real Madrid in what will be their new era of Galacticos, potentially. Huge, obviously, loss for Chelsea, considering their transfer ban, which we'll talk about, I'm, not, I'm, I'm sure, down the line, and having to be able to replace him within that squad. New coach Frank Lampard's got a hell of a job on his hands in replacing him. One of the big things they're going to have to replace about him as well is his record from the penalty spot. He is rated one of the best penalty takers that the Premier League is, has ever seen. His his success rate in the Premier League is only behind two, let's face it, two Southampton legends, but two of the greatest penalty takers you will ever see in the Premier League being Matt Letizier and Ricky Lambert. Yeah, two great penalty takers. And let's not forget that another quality penalty taker from the Premier League who is sorely missed. Mario Balotelli was another Absolutely. excellent penalty taker, but yeah, Eden Hazard, I don't think there's a time where I've ever seen him miss a penalty. Um, he's a class act from the depth, from the spot, not just from the from the from the eighteen yard mark, but from sorry, the fifteen yard mark, from the corners. Deadly from the deadly from a dead ball spot as well. His class on the ball is amazing. He's key. and finally we we'll probably get to see him compete in the in the, the Liga against Messi and see where he really stands in that uh, battle for the top gong that is the FIFA Ballon d'Or. Now, let's go through some of the other ones that have, that have happened um, throughout the, the period there. Of course, Aston Villa have been getting a little bit uh, fighty amongst getting getting amongst their signings. They announced their first big signing, which was picking up the Brazilian Wesley from Club Rouge. Yeah, huge signing for um, Aston Villa, my boys. Made a lot of movements in the transfer market this season. They've been compared to Fulham already. Spent well over a hundred million, bought in about ten players. Didn't lose a lot of old codgers that have been in the club for a long time. Wesley's an interesting signing. Same mould as Benteke. We all know how well he did when in his years at Villa um, before his injury, in particular. Wesley, so far from what I've seen in pre-seasons games, is offers exactly that, but arguably a better passing game, less selfish, better movement off the ball as well than Benteke had. He's not going to need the better service as desperately as Benteke did. He's obviously he's the club's record signing, uh, and I think will lead the line really well in the absence of Tammy Abraham, who's gone back to Chelsea. Then the the, the next two big signings that occurred. Uh, Pablo Fornals uh, joining West Ham United from Villarreal for £24 million and Andre Gomez from Barcelona to Everton for £22 million. Yeah, two really big signings, both Everton. West Ham obviously not uh, as, uh, let's say, predominant in the in the transfer market as they were last season. Uh, Manuel Pellegrini opting to keep most of his side in one piece. They do lose Marco and Altovic, who will be a big loss. He's gone over to China finally for them. Um, if anyone uh, did <laughs> happen to catch his departure, West Ham were quite cold when he left them. Uh, he left them to part over to the the Super League, uh, the Super Rich League over there. But they bring in obviously Pablo uh, Fornals, who's been brilliant for Villarreal last season. He'll be a big loss for them. A big signing for Spain. Excuse me, for Spain. From Spain, it'll be a big signing for West Ham going forward. Really add some class and steel to that midfield. Which they probably lacked a little bit in that back end of the season. And it will complement, I think, a lot of their more attacking players very nicely. Antonio Valencia has left Manchester United to Quito on a free transfer. He was probably unhappy throughout, the, especially at the time of Mourinho, and that had been coming for a while. Yeah, look, he's returning home, uh, Antonio Valencia. 
one of the great right backs of the Premier League, arguably always known as a great right back, but probably underrated in terms of how great he really was for that club. He was one of the best in the world at the time. And he just because he was no nonsense, he wasn't flashy, never got the, the credit that he really deserved. He's returning home, back in, and I'm sure he'll love it. He's done his time at Manchester United, always been a very good professional. You know, he'll be hard to replace for the Red Devils. And then they then announced on the same day, Aaron Juan Bissaka from Crystal Palace. And they, they haven't been scared to splash some money out of the moment. £50 million for him. Yeah, look, he's a strong player, Aaron Juan Bissaka. England international at an under twenty ones level. He's a really good. He's a really good fullback. Again, problem is he's under twenty one. He's English. He's, you're going to pay overs for those guys because they're they're gold. They're gold in the Premier League because, you ha- because of the quota you have to have now. More English talent, and it's only getting stri- more strict and strict of how many foreign players you're allowed to have and not allowed and not English players. So clubs like Crystal Palace know that they can charge absurd amount of money for players who have one good season but he'll fit him well at Manchester United he'll, uh, he suits Solskjaer's style nicely Solskjaer is trying to bring back that old attacking Manchester United football that they lost under Jose Mourinho and bringing back the fear into the club alongside what they had under Alex Ferguson and Alan Wambasaka is the same player in that mould he could be the next Gary Neville. Let's go through what is usually uh, a real crazy period, which is the early July. And 1st of July did not disappoint. Get this um, into you, ladies and gentlemen. You had um, Southampton complete the transfer of Danny Ings from Liverpool for £20 million. Uh, that completes the loan deal that they uh, they had the previous year. You had Mateo Kovacic leaving Real Madrid for Chelsea for £40 million. So that comes out, that's half of the amount that was paid for um, Eden Hazard. Yeah, well, a thing to note with Mateo Kovacic, obviously people will know Chelsea do have the transfer ban on him this season. Yeah. Mateo Kovacic was on loan this season with Chelsea, the prior season. That is why they allowed to complete the signing. And an important player to bring into the side because they really lack a lot of depth this side, especially now that they've lost uh, Hazard in that squad. But Mateo Kovacic is a great, great little young midfielder. Has really... Not at his chance. He took the, the jump to go over and play at Real. Didn't really get a look in. Tough for him when you've got to play and try and fight your way through both Luka Modric and Tony Cruz in that Real Madrid side, having to sit on the bench and play second fiddle. I think you've given his chance under Frank Lampard. He'll do a great job. And then you've got the other um, signing that occurred there. And once again, your boys popping up there with the amount that they spent this year. Um, Matt Target from Southampton for an undisclosed fee. But that's uh, this is a young kid who's come through the ranks at Southampton and, they, and they've got big raps on him. Yeah, didn't really ever get his chance at uh, Southampton, did he? He's a strong player. He'll fill the the, uh, the cog nicely at left back for Villa after losing, uh, obviously, they're losing Alan Hutton at left back and Neil Taylor. Not really, I think, Premier League quality. McTarget, again, a cheap English midfield player, keeps the quota high. He'll be another fan favourite at left back and a chance to prove himself at a really big club. Then we go to the next big um, nuts day that occurred, which was the 2nd of July. Nuts in terms of how much got spent here. Tangen Ndombele from Lyon to Tottenham Hotspur for £53 million. Yeah, an interesting one, this one. He's a a class player, Ndombele. Really great box-to-box midfielder and arguably something that Spurs have missed, a bit of an engine after the loss of a lot of those players who have never really stepped up and been there, especially when the 
the aging of Moose, the guys of like Moose Dembele and when he, Victor Wanyama. They'll need those guys are solid players, but this not not only does he have that size and that strength and de- defensive mind, he's also an incredibly skillful player as well. Fourth of July, Independence Day, and uh, boy, the market went nuts. You had, ladies and gentlemen, hang on to your seats. Ander Herrera from Manchester United to PSG on a free transfer. Phil Yagielka leaving Everton for Sheffield United on a free transfer. Ayos Perez from Newcastle United to Leicester City for thirty million pounds. Rodri from Atletico Madrid to Manchester City for £68.2 million. And James Wilson from Manchester United to Aberdeen on a free. Yeah, big movements there, obviously. And Herrera to PSG is an absolute steal on a free. He'll be, he's exactly what PSG needs. Some some grit, some hard effort that can, can complement that midfield. A guy who's going to run all day which is what they don't have because they've got two, three lazy attackers, all very talented in their own right, but will never defend, never track back in Neymar, Cavani and Mbappe. He'll suit that, that, French, that PSG side so very well. Phil Jagielka returning back to Sheffield where he first started as a yep. junior. Um, it'll be great to see him show, give some Premier League experience for the, the new boys coming up. Iosi Perez is, I think, the greatest signing of the lot. Was really strong last year for Newcastle. Scored some very important goals in alongside Rondon. And Everton and, and Leicester really need a man to you know, who can be there, who can fill in for Jamie Vardy, you know? or even or even play, you know, behind him, or behind him, or a little bit wider. They just, like I said, they they lacked a bit of goal scoring prowess last season, and it was really Vardy that did it for them, and alongside James Madden, Madison, sorry, and. I think he'll be a real nice compliment for them. They spend a lot of money on him, so they're not mucking around here. They're going to play him quite often. Yeah. Rodri from obviously going to Man City, that's a huge sign, and they've got big wraps on him. He's argue, he's going to hopefully be their replacement for Fernandinho when he probably retires at the end of this season. And not too much to say about James Wilson. Young man looking to get his chance on loan. Goes over to Scotland. So then we've got a couple of, um, a couple of signings day by day. Not very quiet in terms of how much activity goes on, but significant nonetheless. So over the next week, you had Samir Nasri, who has left West Ham United to Anderlecht on a free. I think that's an absolute steal. It is for Anderlecht. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned Marko Arnautovic has left West Ham United to Shanghai for £22 million. Uh, Yuri Thielmans has gone has left Monaco and he's off to Leicester City They're for £40 million. Completing that loan from the season. Yep. Um, Alberto Moreno has left Liverpool and is going to Villarreal on a free. Mm-hmm. Wonder watch here. Um, Zach Steffen being signed from Columbus to Manchester City, an undisclosed amount. Now, uh, there's been raps about the this young American. Yep. Um, the question is going to be, will Manchester City actually use him or will he be loaned back to New York City? You would think he'd go, he would be going back to at least maybe a club, not even America, but maybe in, uh, in Europe. He's not going to get too much of a game. There's plenty of players in front of him, junior players that are in front of him at Manchester City and before that there's plenty of first grade players there as well but an interesting signing nonetheless clearly the power brokers at Manchester City the the, the figureheads of, can see something special in this kid and it'll be interesting to see where he goes after the, after the season starts if it's all before the season starts I should say uh, if I was uh, to give anyone advice maybe just pay attention to the new FIFA 2020 ratings 
and then potentially that might give you an indication of how good he might be. <laughs> the um, we then have uh, Fabian Delph leaving Manchester City for Everton for an undisclosed amount, and then we've got four three big signings that occurred has occurred up to today. Kieran Trippier from Tottenham Hotspur to Atletico Madrid for twenty million pounds. Salomon Rondon leaving West Bromwich Albion for Dalian Yefang in China for an undisclosed amount. And this is an interesting one. Trezeguet from, this is the um, the Egyptian attacking midfielder, yes, from Kasimbasa in Turkey to Aston Villa for £8.75 million. Pounds. This is the guy who had been teaming up with Mo Salah in the African Cup of Nations and Aston Villa see some value in him. Yeah, he's. Uh, I've seen him play. He's linking well, especially down that right-hand side. Villa will play El Mohamedi at right back. And they form a great combination at cut at uh, for their country, and they'll. I'm assuming. Oh, well, I'm hoping as a Villa fan, they'll form that uh, great combo down that right hand side for Villa as well. They've got big wraps on him across across the globe. Be interesting to see how he sits in and how he competes in the Premier League. Obviously, it's a different standard to what it is over in Turkey. But another one of Villa's, uh, some would say uh, maybe misplaced signing, or some would say astute signing, but a great. Uh, be great to see him and do well, and I have another Egyptian to talk about in the Premier League. Now, no, um, no big announcements in terms of players going on loan. Probably the only one that might even rate somewhat of a mention was Anthony Knockart moving from Brighton and Hove Albion to Fulham on loan. He was a key part of Brighton's um, last couple of seasons, so this is a curious. Loan loan out to Fulham. Yeah, it is a curious loan. It's, uh, I'm quite surprised that they're not really giving him a go. He's been a big part of their club for a very long time um, and, was, and a very strong player. But I just again don't see too much value in it. I see Brighton and they haven't really brought anyone in of any worth. So interesting to see what's uh, happening happening with them. But now, again, on just to go back to Everton's uh, signing of Fabian Delph, big news coming out only a few hours ago. Um, they've lost Idris Agana Gay to PSG for around thirty million pounds. Wow. So Fabian Delph, now you're looking at this undisclosed uh, signing that the Toffees made on, for the England international. He, I'm sure, will fill that void for them in the Premier League. Now, some interesting interesting situations with players still being listed as free agents. Um, now, Luke Bratton. Um, the Australian who's finished his stint at Melbourne City was being rumoured to have been loaned out to Sydney FC, but that has fallen through, and Manchester City are not entirely keen on him at the moment. Daniel Sturridge, though, is currently a free agent. Yeah, interesting, uh, Daniel Sturridge. He's had a, quite a uh, difficult month, you would say. He, he went over to America. He... Lost his dog after um, it was stolen out of his house in America, and then I believe he was been he's been stood down by Liverpool and is now pretty much a free agent uh, uh, to go anywhere he likes. And what is interesting, like it's a real shame because he's back when he was fully fit, he was one of England's best strikers, and he just hasn't been able to stay on the park for nearly long enough when he's come back and. And McGow, he's finding himself, you know, jobless within a within a few days' time. Gary Cahill from Chelsea, estimated value of seven point two million pounds, but at the age of thirty three, unlikely to find anything in the Premier League, I'd imagine. Yeah, it would, it's interesting, Gary, Gary Cahill. You would think someone would uh, would pick him up. He's a very strong, experienced defender. 
he'll offer your young defenders coming through plenty of advice. I was quite surprised some of the teams coming through, like Norwich, Sheffield, or Villa didn't make a play for him, especially Villa, having uh, having started his career there originally before jumping over to Stamford Bridge. But he had, again, age and time, unfortunately, fortunately, are not on his side. But I do think he'll probably find a club somewhere before the start of the season. Two players from Tottenham Hotspur probably be coming towards the end of their careers. Fernando Lorente and uh, Mikel Vorm. Uh, of course, part of the initial push that um, Tottenham Hotspur had when, um, when Pochettino came on board, um, <clears throat> Lorente in particular was part of that Tottenham Hotspur team that pushed Leicester City all the way to win the um, to win the Premiership. It fell through when the miracle of the Foxes occurred. Yes, it was. And Fernando Llorente is an interesting uh, free agent. He's a very strong player. Once again, a player that doesn't have uh, uh, time on his side. But he's a man with a lot of quality and he fills the gap very well with Carry Kane if it gets injured or coming on late to score a... You know, especially when long ball FC has to happen and they're trying to score a late equaliser against Burnley. He's a very useful player, but unfortunately for him, the emergence of Song Hyun Min as a number nine, a pure number nine as well, really dampened his chances of getting consistent first grade once that Harry Kane went down injured. So it'll be interesting to see, excuse me, what they do with him. Just back on that, on uh, Daniel Sturridge. We've got breaking news, do we? This was a you know, this happened a while ago now. This was a few. This was a couple. This was a week or so ago now, maybe two weeks ago. He was stood down. I wasn't quite sure on the reason. It was banned for breaching betting rules. So what kind of betting rules was? I'm not too sure what he did. I think he must be betting on himself. I don't think he betted on himself because he's not been banned for too long. He's been fined seventy five thousand pounds, which is quite a hefty ban. Usually for a Premier League fine, I'm sure for a man of his wealth, it's probably and a six looks like a six week ban, four of which has been suspended. So effectively, for now, it's only a two week um, ban at this stage. So, um, so with, with the, there's no real confirmation. I think at this point, is there what kind of betting actually occurred? But it looks like it must have been a relatively speaking fairly minor. So yeah, look, it's uh, it doesn't looking here on this article on Talksport.com. It doesn't look like uh, they've got too many deep, too much details on what he did. So interesting to see what they do. So we'll see what happens there. Keep your eyes peeled. I'm sure we'll talk about it. Come further down the track. Two from Leicester City. Uh, first off, Danny Simpson and then uh, Shinji Okazaki. Both of them were key components of the miracle, the season, the miracle of the Foxes. Um, they're 32 and 33, respectively. Is there one more club for them in the Premier League? Um, I think the maybe for Danny Simpson there might be, but not for Shinji Okazaki. I would would be was to be predicting he might return maybe back to Japan somewhere or maybe back to Germany. A great servant for, the, for Leicester City. Absolutely, and so was Danny Simpson. Definitely a spot for him in the championship, I'm sure, but I don't see too many Premier League clubs looking to sign him up. Two from Crystal Palace. Jason Punchin is um, back from his loan stint at Huddersfield, given that they've gone down to the championship. But where does he go next, considering he's got nowhere left at Crystal Palace? And then a new one, uh, unsigned. His contract has now officially run out. Emmanuel Adebayor. I didn't even know he had a contract still with Crystal Palace. He was just not... I don't think he was even in the squad. No. In the, on the he's roster. Just, he's they're probably just been, doing whatever he wants and just yeah. paying him. Yeah. Ridiculous. But what we, I mean, 
Jason Punchin probably still has a, a couple of years left in his career. Yeah, in maybe. The but, but I don't know if he's got a couple of years left in the Premier League anymore. Adebay, your like, there's talks that West Ham United, Watford, and Sheffield United are interested. But honestly, would you want to sign him? No, he's a, he's toxic, Emmanuel Adebayo. And I've said it before, many of our shows. He's uh, one of the best strikers of all time. But he's also one of the laziest, and he only ever performs when he needs to, and yeah. it's when it's payday time. Yeah. Two two more to go through. Um, Andy Carroll at West Ham United hardly rates a mention these days. I think he's just he's going to end up at the championship probably. Yeah, unfortunately for Andy Carroll, it could have been one of the what it could have been a decent Premier League striker, big size about him, great finish, aerial prowess, but he couldn't stay on the field for more than two games at a time. And Mohamed uh, Diam from uh, Newcastle United, and really this is probably the end of the line for him. Yeah, Mohamed Diami. It's interesting being in Newcastle. I'm surprised that they're not trying to take as many players as they can. Um, of course, we should mention that they also brought in the signing this season. Their first under Steve Bruce in Jolington. He's come in, um, having not signed anyone previously. That's who they brought in. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he can save what most people think will be a relegation year for the Magpies. So the net position so far in terms of uh, the order in which they finished, and this is all, it's always fascinating seeing this because this is usually an indicator on what the teams could be getting up to around the January transfer windows. Manchester City down uh, is down £81 million. Pounds. Most of this chewed up from Rodri and Angelino. Um, thoughts on this? Do you reckon that's they're going to stop for now or do you reckon there's going to be more to come considering it's Manchester City? I don't think there'll be too many more to come. Maybe one more decent signing, but I don't think it'll be a massive signing. But I think maybe what will probably be the biggest thing, we'll maybe see one player leave. Obviously, the big talking point, the big rumour I'm sure we'll discuss later is which stars are going to be going from Manchester City and there's a big one which we'll talk about later on. Liverpool up £18.2 million pounds from the completion of the Danny Inks transfer to Southampton. So a little bit of money to spend. Yeah, they do have a little bit of money to spend. They, they don't really need to spend it after the season that they had. You know, they're the champions of Europe. How do you really, how do you really strengthen that side? They've got arguably the best defense in the league, uh, in the Premier League, with Van Dyke, um, Trent Robinson, and uh, not Trent Robinson, sorry, <laughs> uh, Scott Robinson and uh, Trent Alexander Arnold is the other one. Apologies there. And then, look, they could probably do it with another centre-back, but they've still got young Joe Gomez is coming through, John Matip. They've got guys who are strong. And then, really, there's not much else they can do, so it'll be interesting to see where they look to purchase. And then to finish off the top three, and we'll be coming back to this um, just straight after the break, is Chelsea. And this is why I wanted to bring up this one in particular. Uh, before we go, they're up. this is one of the biggest profits that have been seen in, in the innings Premier League in some time. They're up 66.6 million pounds, and that is effectively the net position of the what you could call a player swap between Eden Hazard and Kovacic. Yeah, it's probably the first time Roman Abramovich has actually made money from Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great... It's probably great, probably great for him. I'm sure he'd probably like to bring players in, but uh, good. Uh, obviously, saving a lot of money, not having not having the option to bring anyone in. So tough times for Frank Lampard ahead. But again, talented squad ahead of him, so I'm sure he'll be fine. So with that, we've reached half time, and uh, we'll be going going through more of the net positions, and then talking about the transfer rumours for the rest of the summer transfer. You are listening to Splinters, the Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, podcast.com, and wherever you get your, um, wherever you get your podcasts.
We'll be right back. Don't go away. It's time to hit the ice. This Saturday, the 10th of August, your Sydney Bears are back on home ice as they face the visiting Melbourne Mustangs in the Australian Ice Hockey League at the Macquarie Ice Rink, Macquarie Centre, North Ryde. Tickets start at just $25 for adults and $12 for kids with children under five free. Save time and book online at bearsden.com.au or pay at the gate. Make sure you get down to the Macquarie Centre to see your Sydney Bears rip and tear in the Australian Ice Hockey League. Sydney Bears, hear us roar. Sponsors of Triple H. Welcome back to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify and podcast.com. Of course, we do it all for the action attraction of the North Shore, Magpies, Waitara and the all about caring Sydney Bears. Anthony Caruso and Dom Rizzuto here with you. We've just gone through the transfers and loans at the at this stage. We're going through the net positions of each of the clubs. We'll go, try and go through these pretty quickly, uh, but there are some very um, crazy positions that we've seen so far. Tottenham Hotspur down forty three point nine million pounds. The purchase of um, Dombele partly offset by the sale of Kieran uh, Trippier. Yeah, I don't expect to see too much action from Spurs as well, uh, especially with um, the squad that they have. They're obviously, they'll have some risk of maybe losing some star players, maybe come the end of the transfer deadline day, but I don't see that much changing for Spurs. Arsenal, very quiet, only um, negative £2.8 million, pounds, so we'll jump straight ahead to Manchester Well, that could get a lot lower with the arrival of their latest uh, winger. Uh, Here we go. Latest winger on the side of Nicolas Pepe from Lille. Obviously, they were really interested in Wilfred Zaha from Crystal Palace Arsenal, but on a big, big signing... Uh, the man, Nicolas Pepe, is in. Last I heard, he's come in and he's arrived for his medical. So I assume, It's as good as done. I yeah. assume that this will be done, and it should be definitely be done in the next mm. two times. And all the time you heard this, it probably would have been done. Any word on how much it could be? Look, last time I saw it, it was in the range of around the $70 million mark. Wow! And this is a club that doesn't normally spend that much money. Yes, exactly right. Well, they copped a little bit, copping a lot of heat lately. Uh, but the, with the fact that they haven't brought anyone in at all, Yes, as I can see, Nicolas Pepe has arrived in London today ahead of his medical. 72 million pounds. 72 million pounds, sorry, not dollars, pounds. Wow, that's going to be huge there. Manchester United down 64.8 million pounds. Of course, the purchase of Juan Basaka from Crystal Palace and uh, Daniel James from Swansea. Yeah. Um, I mean, is there anywhere else to go or do we expect that there's going to be some sale, potentially of Lukaku and potentially Pogba? Look, I don't think Pogba's going to go. He's a player that you build your team around. I think Solskjaer is quite keen on building a team around him. All right. We'll come back to Manchester United a little bit later on in regards to that. Wolverhampton Wanderers down £43.29 million after they purchased Raul Jimenez and Leander Dedonka from uh, – that's yeah. pretty much right at the end of the – during the season. Yeah, the they, complete, they completed the loans um, from those guys who had – fantastic seasons. Everton down 8.37 million pounds. They purchased Andre Gomez, but then they sold Nikola Vlasic, so not really much to talk about in terms of that. They have just sold, as I mentioned earlier, Idris Aganagay, who will bump that debt position back up. Leicester City down 70.5 million pounds. Obviously, the big play on Tealsman and Perez, um, they're going aggressively, and this this could be a year that Leicester City might get back into Europe. Could well be. Interesting times ahead under Brendan Rodgers. West Ham United up £6.1 million. They purchased Pablo Fornals. They made good money on um, Arnautovic and Fernandez. So uh, West Ham United still got a little bit of money to spend. Uh, Watford 
it's only it's very much covered down 2.8 million pounds they purchased Craig Dawson from West Bromwich Albion but half of that was covered by the sale of Obi Olea so overall fairly quiet for Watford so far well they haven't taken that manager yet for the spoils of the start of the season so they haven't to pay <laughs> of course we are waiting for, for that to happen Crystal Palace up 49.5 million pounds of course that's the sale of Aaron Wan-Bissaka and they've got money to burn at the moment they do and especially they'll have more money to burn if they lose Zaha on the opening day of the sorry on the final day of the transfer Newcastle United currently up 30.6 million pounds total sale of IOZ Perez but they're going to need every bit of it after sacking Rafa Benitez not only that but they've also sold they also bought in Jolington as I mentioned earlier so they'll be back down to the minus uh, net position Bournemouth up 2.8 million pounds they purchased Lloyd Kelly and Jack Stacey but covered by selling Tyrone Mings for 20 million pounds yep Aston Villa's uh, star man in in the back last season on loan making a big transfer across to the club Burnley down £6 million just the purchase of Jay Rodriguez who's become a bit of a journeyman as of late Southampton have been a big player down £35.1 million they completed the, the loan transfer of Danny Ings he's now permanently on the line they picked up Che Adams and Musa Genepo sold Matt Target for £14 million Ralph Hasenhutl's building a decent squad there. Yes, and Trey Adams is a good player as well. I expect big things from him coming from the championship. Uh, had a really good season. Excuse me. Just escapes me the club that he came from. But I'm pretty sure he had a fantastic season. Um, <clears throat> Sheff- uh, with, with Sheffield, that's right, with Sheffield United uh, last season. So, I'm sorry, Birmingham, that's where he was playing last season. And now, obviously, um, obviously, applying his trade in the Premier League. Solid player and he'll be a good signing for Southampton. And by the way, just on a, on a little fun aside with Manchester United, Fox Sports has rated their jersey the worst of 2019-20. Interesting. The worst? The worst. Fox Sports, the last I saw from Fox Sports, it was up there, the Man United jersey. I'm not... No, 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 Southampton. Oh, Southampton's right, yeah. yeah. Southampton's is awful. Yeah. It is awful. I'm sticking with my, I'm sticking with my virgin, my virgin um, <laughs> jersey, which is actually not too bad. So... Um, Brighton Hove Albion down 21.5 million pounds after they purchased uh, Trossard from Genk. Norwich City down 1.7 million pounds. They picked up Ralph Farman from on loan, uh, but it's partially covered by Marcel Frank going to Hanover. Sheffield United net zero. Mm, well, they've bought it. They've bought a no one. The big thing that will come out of Sheffield United is the uh, is uh, the return of what some would a bad boy, but a, what some people have said many times. Uh, Ravel Morrison, uh, uh, many pl- famous football figureheads have said that this uh, this man's game could have been elite, and they all thought he was England's next best player. Just unfortunately, never had the headspace. He's back now, training with them. It's be interesting to see if we can we'll finally see this man take the field. And then Aston Villa, seventy six and a half million pounds. Yeah, they're look, going hard. 11, 12 signings now. I think it is. They spent a lot of money. They've lost a lot. They lost a lot of the old players. But they brought in players, and this is where a lot of people have said they're, they're doing a Fulham. They're bringing, they spent, you know, Fulham spent 100 million last year, went straight back down. But they're not. But Fulham spent 100 million on about five players. Villa spent 100 million on a 12, on double the amount of players and young talent who was hungry and keen to compete. Not players who were there for a payday. Let's go to the transfer rumors for the rest of the summer transfer window. And uh, debate still raging about where Paul Pogba could end up. He's been linked with Juventus and Real Madrid. Solskjaer would want big money to make up for the fact that they spent £89 million to bring him home. But then again, he fits the kind of style that Solskjaer wants to play. We've all seen that under Mourinho, Pogba didn't play well because Mourinho wanted him to play further back. 
soon as he played forward, he was a much better proposition. I think that that's quite poor form from Pogba's point of view. You play where your manager thinks you need to play at the end of the day, but that's the world that we live in now. The players are the stars, not the manager. But Solskjaer sees other things. He wants to, if they can, he'll obviously play him forward. He said that he's a player that he wants to, that you build a team around. Then he can get some confidence up. He can be one of the best players in the world. He's, he's a World Cup winner after all. He is a World Cup winner. And he's partially he's partially right because you only need to look at his form when he was at Juventus. Mind you, he did have one of the greatest holding midfielders of all time playing behind him in one Andrea Pirlo. Yeah, not only just that, but also one of the greatest backlines in in modern day football. You know, yeah. it's you know, unfortunately at United, he's got you know at Juventus he had obviously had Pirlo behind him along with guys like Sami Khedira, Claudio Marchizio. And then behind them, you had Giorgio Chiellini, Leonardo Berucci, Andrea Bagzagli, and then Buffon in goals. You know, at Villa, I'm sorry, United, he's got Phil Jones, <laughs> Chris Smalling. <laughs> I mean, David De Gea is a, he's a world-class keeper, there's no doubt. But, I mean, like, you compare those two. And then in the midfield, you know, he had he got behind him in centre mid. Uh, I don't even know who the centre mids the are. Only, the, only, the, only, the, only, the only decent midfielder they really had, apart from Pogba in that lineup, was Juan Mata. Juan Mata, and he's not a defensive midfielder either. No. So, uh, yeah. I, lo- I mean, I love Juan Mata, but yeah. there's a guy that's been treated horribly by Manchester United and by Chelsea throughout his time there. Um, Rumours of a possible player swap with Gareth Bale. I don't think that's going to happen. No, obviously, Gareth Bale has been the, the circus of the summer. Obviously, he was signed, sealed, delivered to go to China. Zinedine Zidane doesn't want him there. He wants him out of the squad. He's about to go over there, move for his family, make a big payday. He was going to be on something like a million pounds a week. And then Real Madrid blocked the, blocked the move. Yeah. So I don't know what's going on there. Ridiculous. Gareth Bale will be staying in Madrid, in the in the Spanish capital for another season. There's no doubt about Ga- that. Gary Cahill currently in negotiations with Aston Villa. It would be a coup. Has it actually happened? No, it hasn't happened. I haven't uh, heard much about this since it first came, when he, since Gary Cahill was first told to look for a new club and Villa was obviously mentioned straight away. It would be against the the run of signings that Villa have made. And, you know, the, Villa have already got a key former player who's pretty much a defensive coach in John Terry. It would be silly to bring Gary Cahill along as well. Manchester United in talks to purchase Mario Lamina from Southampton, but is this going to be a... Um too much of a clash with Pogba if no, they sign him. I don't think so. I just don't know if Mario Lamino is a, a player that is Manchester United quality. That's my concern. I think he's a quality player and obviously played for Juventus, but then maybe over to Southampton, that's quite a big, no offence to Southampton fans, but moving from Juventus to Southampton is quite a drop. Yeah. But then to go back to Manchester United, that's a that's a big step up. So maybe he does have the quality. Maybe people see a lot in him, but not. I think that's an odd, an odd rumour. Fenerbahce, rumoured to have made, tabled an offer to purchase Mesut Ozil, but Mesut Ozil's also been over in the US. Now, how would the German playmaker feel about a move to Turkey or the US? Well, look, I don't know. If, I think a move to the US is always tantalising for any player coming towards the back end of their career, but I still think Ozil's got a couple of seasons left in him. Turkey, look, Everyone knows he has great connections to Turkey. He's very good friends with the with the president of Turkey, or the prime minister, I should say. Is the prime minister or president in Turkey? Prime minister. Prime minister in Turkey. Um, obviously not getting a, a lot of game time under at Arsenal at all, especially under Unai Emery. Will he go to Fevenarche, though? Look, if I was Ozil, I'd probably stay on the bench at Arsenal as long as I can, make some money, and then go to Fevenarche. Now... Going back to Manchester United, because it seems like it's just been an absolute circus there at the moment. Uh, Rumours about what's going to happen with Lukaku 
But Solskjaer has apparently told him that he'll get a chance to reclaim his starting striker position, supposedly against Marcus Rashford. But there are rumours of him going to Inter Milan. Yeah, yeah. Well, Inter Milan was definitely the first uh, team that have been throwing their hat in the ring and have been offering a lot of money. Uh, Juventus, I heard re- over the last couple of days, are the new front runners. They're offering Paolo Dybala in a massive swap trade. Which, if that is true, I'd move Manchester United. I'd take it immediately. Um, I'd cut my losses on Lukaku if I was United. To be honest, he's a quality player, but I've seen it time and time again. We saw it at Everton. And we've seen at United, he's a strong player, but he's never, ever really performed against the big teams. And the disappointing part, of course, is that we'll no longer see Manchester United fans singing about certain appendages in regards to Lukaku. Absolutely. So. And look, you know, I think Marcus Rashford deserves his time up front as in the new number it's the new number 10 or the new number 9. So I think he's shown that he can do it. And again, that's not going to cost they're much in terms of apart from the high wage that they offered the Englishman at the back back end of uh, last year. Uh, expected to announce Leroy Sane will be joining Bayern Munich from Manchester City. Just pretty much wait for that to yeah. To be look, confirmed. it's uh, it's an interesting one. Pep Guardiola and the Manchester City uh, board members have been very much like, oh, we haven't heard anything. Playing sort of ignorant, playing dumb, but big some big quotes from the Bayern Munich president. Um, he's a very outspoken man in particular, saying that accusing Pep Guardiola of not knowing what's going on in his own business and his own club. So that still has uh, much to, to look forward to in that one. I think he's going to go. This one is confirmed. RB Leipzig have signed Adamola Lookman for £25 million from Everton. I'm a big fan of Adamola Lookman, uh, the young Englishman. I saw him uh, live against the MK Dons in the FA Cup match when they were playing Charlton. And uh, I remember sitting next to my friend and we both looked at each other and went, he's too good for this division. He'll be playing in the Premier League next season. And lo and behold, Everton snatched him up. Didn't really get a look in at uh, Everton, unfortunately, but I like what he's doing. You've seen the the success that uh, Jaden Sancho has had moving to Borussia Dortmund and pretty much being known as one of the best players in the German League and now a, almost a regular starter in the England squad. It's good to see that England players, young England players, are now starting to move away from England to get regular football. Uh, the bidding war potentially for... Tiamo Bakayuko with Arsenal, Manchester United and PSG interested in the French striker, but current owners Chelsea might be willing to give him one more chance with Lampard as the new manager. Yeah, look, And he did cost £40 million from Monaco. Yeah, didn't really have the best of seasons when he first arrived from Chelsea. <clears throat> best arrived from Monaco to Chelsea, but I think he will get another chance under Lampard or at least be one of his fringe players. You know, Lampard can't bring any players in. So he's got to work with what he's got for now. And I think losing a player of Bakayoko's quality, who we know can be strong, would be a silly, silly decision. Here's one for you. Mario Balotelli. <laughs> Supposedly West Ham United are looking to sign him from Marseille on a free. Look, I find it very, very weird if Mario Balotelli was to reunite with Manuel Pellegrini at West Ham. I think that would be odd indeed. Um, where he goes, I'm not too sure. He's, a, he's an entertainer, but like, and he'll score you a few goals here and there, but as a as a consistent performer and athlete and professional, he's not, uh, Premier League, he's not the Premier League quality that clubs need. Manchester United uh, rumoured to be signing Sergi Milinkovic-Savic from Lazio. Yeah, look, that's probably the most likely of the rumours to go through on deadline day, I reckon, and he'll be a great foil for... And that player that we mentioned before that will, they would love to have behind Pogba, yeah. a ball-playing, box-to-box midfielder. defensive midfielder who's been very good at Lazio, as it pains to say. 
But I think that's – out of all the rumours that are happening at the moment, that's probably the most likely. Now, Manchester City, they're, they're looking for a replacement for their long-time captain, stalwart, it has to be said, all-round good guy. Yep. Vincent Company. Yes. A lot of respect for this guy. Brilliant defender. Um, Supposedly targeting Nathan Ake from Bournemouth and they're willing to splash out as much as £40 million for him. Manchester City are under, obviously, always under constant threat from the uh, the FFP, financial fair play rules. Excuse me. (coughs) Excuse me very much. Uh, They're always under pressure from that. So bringing in young English players to up the quota to to you know to to meet the rules that the Premier League sets with with homegrown talent is why they're probably playing ups for Nathan Ake. But let's be real, he's never going to replace Vincent Company. No, not in terms of that talent. He's no. good, but he's not that good. Now, one without notice, and this one's a fast. Has been a fascinating burner for a while. Aaron Moy. <laughs> Huddersfield have gone down Six clubs have been shown an interest In the Australian playmaker Including Watford, West Ham, Southampton Newcastle United But the problem you've got is that Huddersfield Have put a price of £14 million On Moy Meaning it, it would effectively abs- be a profit of £3 million That's a steal for, for anyone who wants to pick up Aaron Moy In the Premier League My question is, is, is he Premier League quality? I would say yes, just not in a team where he is the plan A, plan B and plan C. That is very true. I think he'd be a good signing for an Everton perhaps. Given He needs to give given a crack. He's a great dead ball specialist, obviously, as we know. Being he's obviously, very strong. He's very strong on the left he's good as well. Strong. He's, a good, he's a good passer of the ball as well. But will he get his chance? I'm not too sure. I'll be comfortable with Huddersfield. I don't think I will see him move this season. I think Huddersfield will give themselves a decent crack at getting back into the Premier League. This season. One year? Maybe one year with Huddersfield. If they don't get promoted, you'll be looking yeah, elsewhere. Yeah, one year, definitely. Yeah. So with that, let's go through our predictions. And the first thing we're going to do say is battling for the premiership. Last year, it was a two-horse race between Manchester City and Liverpool. Manchester City held on despite seven uh, – and what cost Liverpool was their seven draws throughout the year. Uh, look, at this point, you would call Manchester City as the favourites. Um, part of it would need to see how Liverpool's African contingent pulls through the, the Cup of Nations that they've just been through. Uh, but I, I see these these two clubs battling it out once again. Yeah, I don't... It'd be a shame to see uh, the likes of United, Arsenal and Chelsea and Spurs not go with them this season. I think it'll be, it'll be very disappointing. Um, but I can't see... You know, excuse me, Liverpool or City slipping up. They're strong. The way they play football is by far and wide way better than than the rest of the big six. The way they play their football is just beautiful. You've got players there who want to be there. They're not there for the wages. They're there for the club. And I think it'll be a battle between those two. And you know what? It's difficult to really pick. I, you know, I'm leaning towards Manchester City, but I think. They've, they've got a better chance of doing it this year. Liverpool can do it. Now, this is always a fascinating race. It's the battle for the Champions League. Now, I, I, I would think we'd be safe to say the only certainty apart from the top two is that Tottenham will be there yeah. for, for Champions League. Yeah, Mauricio Pochettino has done an amazing job with the, with the squad where he's not allowed to spend oodles and oodles of money to get the quality in that he needs. So 
and what he works with because they've got an amazing team. They're and, only, and an amazing culture, and has to be Exactly said. right. And they've got a new stadium now as well, which they'll start with, uh, funnily enough, against my Aston Villa. They'll host me, my Aston Villa on the opening day, which is very daunting for myself. Oh, yeah, I expect them third or fourth finish again. Yeah. Who else? Three options, of obviously, to make the Champions League would be Chelsea, Arsenal, Manchester United. The question's for each of them. So for Chelsea, how do you think they will adjust to life under Frank Lampard and no Eden Hazard? Look, I think they'll adjust better than what people are expecting because they won't have the pressure of having to perform well because of the financial fair play uh, ban that they've had installed on them. You know, they've got a, a club legend. You saw how well... Zinedine Zidane did when he came in and took charge of Real Madrid. You'll probably see the same effect with Frank Lampard at Chelsea. And again, you know what? In some ways, losing Hazard, it takes away from, you know, it allows the other players to express themselves and work a bit more with the team. Mucho Sarri, the, obviously the former coach now, now at Juventus, has said that playing, he had to accommodate Hazard in his, because he didn't, they didn't get to play the way he wanted to play because of Eden Hazard. Yeah. So it'll be interesting now not having him, um, how they play. They've given the reins to Tammy Abraham to play up front by himself. So they're going to have English talent up front who could potentially become a cult figure there and break that curse, the number nine jersey curse that they have at the club. So, yeah, I think Chelsea are going to be up there. And I think arguably not as bad as what most people say. The real pressure is on Arsenal and on Unai Emre. Um, really disappointing start to his tenure, really. Hasn't found the formula that he's needed. The signings he brought in last year weren't very good. Will they, and will they start to click? Can they get... You know, they've got so many goals in them, but defensively, they're just a sieve and they really need to fix that up. And he'll be the one under the most pressure to what keep them competitive. What I don't get is that they've held on to Mertzaka as long as they have. Oh, well, he's Shh. gone now. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand how they held on to him for that long. Oh, look, he's a club legend. Sometimes it's hard to get rid of those guys. They become a part of the fabric. Manchester United comes up, obviously, in discussions. We. Yeah, the question I've got around it, Solskjaer has got a formula. We've seen it when he was able to deploy his formula effectively that it can work. Yeah. He he took him on, what was it, a 13-match unbeaten streak in all competitions. He upset PSG away from home. He nearly pulled the same stunt on um, later on in the Champions League as well. It fell apart. They really did just run out of momentum towards the end of the season. But there's a formula that's there. The question is, should Solskjaer be given the freedom to always blow the club up and start again? I don't think the club needs to start again. I think they just need to get rid of a few key individuals that are on there for a a joyride, essentially, i.e. Alexis Sanchez. They've got a really good crop of young players, Manchester United, and they've got a great youth academy and have had for a long time. I know that's Alex Ferguson. It was very rare when they ever spent big to bring someone in. If they did, it was only one player. And it was who Alex Ferguson wanted. And and it, and it would even be just just smart buyers. Like they got, what, Van Nistelrooy on a steal. Yep. The Ronaldo on a steal. Well, yeah, that was back when Ronaldo was not big. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they, they just have a way of making players fantastic. And that's what they need to match. United needs to be again. He's another player, coach, though, who will be under immense pressure to get them started. Slow start in the opening exchanges, and they'll be, they'll be in trouble. And I think a big opening game against Chelsea will be a will be a really big indication to see which where these two sides are at 
come the start of the season. Well, we'll go through those matches, uh, those first-round matches uh, very shortly. Uh, the battle for Europa League. Now, obviously, from those Champions League, two of those teams will play in the Europa League, and then the battle is for possibly the third position should the Cups be won by teams already qualifying for the Champions League. Wolverhampton Wanderers last year stormed home to snatch the last Europa position, and I think with strong backing, they go in favourites yes. again. Yes, they definitely do. Um, Wolves, uh, I... I think, as you said, strong backing. They've brought in a couple of strong players. They're looking to add a few more. They knocked off four or five of the big teams during the season. They beat Chelsea twice. Um, and they'll be a threat once again going forward. Still have question marks over their defence, but they brought in a young man on loan uh, called, I believe his name is Valajero, uh, who's from Real Madrid. They've had big raps on him for a long time. Valajero, I was right, Jesus Valajero from Wolves, from Real Madrid, he's just signed on loan. So he'll be a big signing for them going down the track and maybe add some like some real class to their back line. Can we see someone like, say, Everton, Leicester City or Watford making a push for Europe or do you think it's a bridge too far now? It's really tough. I think it, it's really tough. I think Brendan Rodgers and Marco Silva are fantastic managers in there and right. I don't know what went wrong for them last season. It just didn't quite click. Can they do it again this season? Look, they can always be hopeful, but to breach into that top six is so, so hard. And I don't know. They just have the quality right now to do it. They need uh, to bring some guys in. Someone needs to go, you know what? We're spending seventy million pounds to bring in the next to bridge, player. To bridge to the gap. To bridge the gap. Otherwise, it's just not going to happen. And then finally, the relegation battle. Now, Aston Villa spending big, and I think, you know, so far I think they've recruited quite well. There's a very strong culture at Norwich City. I like what they've got, they're, they're setting up at the moment. And I dare say we could be seeing two current EPL clubs staring down the barrel of relegation. Now, I personally think Newcastle United is, yep. is in big trouble this year. And the other one for mine is Burnley. Two yep. certainties to go. For me, I actually see all three of the teams coming up this season staying in the Premier League this year. Are you even uh, calling Sheffield United? I could call Sheffield United to stay. I think right now the three biggest threats are Newcastle, as you said before, uh, Brighton and Burnley. Those three are under immense pressure going forward. I think I think just looking at these looking at them, you know, you know, Southampton never a great season last year, but they've got quality and they've got a good coach there who can well, should, you know, really keep them up. But yeah, you, Newcastle Brighton and Burnley are real threats. Crystal Palace, if they lose Welford Sahar before the start of the season, could be detrimental to their season. Um, this, this one, and they could see them going down. There's plenty of clubs that will be fighting for relegation this year, and it's probably going to be the most exciting part of the competition again is to see who remains and who stays. Let's go through the matches with a minute left on the um, on the clock. And um, what have we got for matches uh, this week for the for round one? Let's go through them. First off, Liverpool versus Norwich City at Anfield. Yep, the uh, the Saturday morning, the Friday night game, which now kicks off the season. Norwich with the the impossible task of taking on the champions of Europe. They'll give it a real red hot go, but I can't see anything but a Liverpool win. West Ham United against Manchester City at the Olympic Stadium. Well, look, there's a manager who knows how to beat this team. It's Manuel Pellegrini. But, again, this Manchester City team are so, so very strong and they always start the season very well. Crystal Palace against Everton at Selhurst Park. Really good opportunity to see where both these sides are at the start of the season. I'm leaning more towards 
Everton under Marcus Silva, they play a much more attractive brand of football than Roy Hodgson's Palace do. But Palace have Wolf, if they have Wolf Sahar to start the season, they've got some players there who know how to get the job done and defensively, much stronger side. Burnley FC against Southampton, a turf more crucial early game, this one. Yeah, really big early game. Three points on the on the line. I'm leaning more towards a draw in this one, though. Watford, Brighton out at Vicarage Road. If Watford don't win this, they, they, they'll be kidding themselves. A much stronger side and should be putting Brighton away. Bournemouth against Sheffield United should be a fascinating match. Bournemouth well. arguably with the toughest uh, gig of all, having to take on the new boys back in the Premier League for the first time. And But at home, Bournemouth are very strong, at, you know, and I think they'll hold on against the new boys. Your boys, Tottenham Hotspur, against, uh, well, Haston Villa, I should say, having to travel to Tottenham. Yeah, awful, awful first game for Villa, having to travel to the new White Hart Lane to take on Spurs, who are a very, very good side. Look, I'd love to say Villa, but even my own head is too strong to say that they'll walk away with any points in this one. But it would be a really good effort Really, probably good. Really good uh, indication to see where they're at early in the season. Fascinating matchup this one: Leicester City against Wolves yeah. at King Power. So we already have a uh, the, one of the uh, battle for the Europa League spots up for grabs early with, with this match. <sighs> it's really tough. Really tough. Whoever turns up on the day is going to win. He's going to win. Whoever can defend a lot draw. better. It's got draw written all over it. It's got a lot of goals written all over it as could well. Be a, could be a great Probably match. arguably one of the match of the round to start the season. Could this be an absolute bloodbath? Arsenal travelling to St. James's Park to play Newcastle. Look, Arsenal have a tough job going to St. James's Park on, on the opening on the, on the opening round. And with Steve Booch in charge, who, you know, he's got a lot to prove. This Newcastle team have been absolutely savaged by the outside media. Will they go on and do a number on Arsenal? Look, they've produced some fantastic results against this Arsenal side um, over the last 10 years, and it could be much the same in this game. But if Arsenal, if their players play the way that they can, Newcastle's not going to have an answer. And the match of the round, Manchester United versus Chelsea, mind you, this is, looks like it's got Snorfest written all over it. Yeah, look, these two don't genuinely... Look, they've had a, some amazing games throughout their history, but look... Especially at the start of the season, a lot of the players have come back from their holidays. You know, a lot of them have had to do travelling. United obviously had, had had to come all the way to Australia to play. So it'll be a really interesting game. But it'll be so entertaining. You'll have two legend club legends who are now managing their clubs up against one another. There's some really big history here. Where am I leaning towards? I'm leaning more towards Chelsea. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is full-time here for the EPL preview on Splinters. I want to thank uh, Dom Rizzuto for joining us tonight. Oh, it's been a pleasure as always. I can't wait for the start of the season. <laughs> Make sure you join us next week because, Dom, you and I will be going through the rest of European football and we'll have a feature talking about the financial fair play. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, the European football obviously starting a little bit after the Premier League. But, of course, there's some big sides and there's been some big movements that we'll be talking about. Ladies and gentlemen, that is full time here on Splinters, the Bench Podcast. Make sure you join us next week right here on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming the web at www.triplehfm.com.au, available through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, podcast.com, and wherever you get your podcasts. This is Anthony Bull Caruso. We wish you all a very good evening.